Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Conversations of the Way. If uh, you've heard the last few episodes, uh, we have gone through the genealogy of Jesus and the women in that genealogy. And the last one we talked about was Tamar. And like I mentioned, it was like a soap opera with some twists and turns. But if you think that one was good, this one is definitely um, heavy. And when it comes to drama as well, a lot of twists and turns. So here we go. We're going to talk about the Sheba. It's, and it's who I will call the unspoken one. There are five women in the genealogy that are mentioned in chapter 1 of Matthew. She is the only one that is not mentioned by name. Why? At the time I'm writing this, I don't know. I use the podcast episodes not only to share what I know with you, but I use them also to learn. I didn't know much about these women, but I've learned so much about them and I hope you have as well. I'm not sure where this episode is going to take us, but let's get started and see. I guess we can start by summarizing her story. Before I start, I will say that this is a heavy story, and I may go in depth to the point that I recommend not having young children around for this one. I'm sure we've all heard the story, but the way we've heard it, or the way that it has been presented by some, or even the movies may be different than the way it really happened. So, how has it been presented before by some? If I remember right, the way I've heard it was that Bathsheba tempted David into adultery. Now, yes, David's to blame as well, but it was mostly her fault. Is this true? I personally don't think so. I think that uh, we can debate one way or the other, but I don't think that is fruitful. And it should not be the focus of this story. So let's break the story into three acts. The first act, we can call it The Temptation of David. The second act, we can call it um, the attempt to hide sin by David. And the third act, we can call it the results of David's sins. Act 1, 2 Samuel, chapter 11. The story starts in the springtime. And the verse says that this is the time when kings go out to battle. So right off the bat, we should know that things are about to start heading south got to pay attention to these little details. So if the kings are supposed to be fighting in battle, what is David doing chilling in Jerusalem? It seems like he was slumming while his troops were knee-deep in battle. David at this point has proven himself in battle. He has slayed a lot of bodies. So many bodies that God even tells him that he has too much blood in his hands and that is why he will not be allowed to build a temple. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 8. His son Solomon gets to do it instead. More of him later. So maybe David felt that he could just relax. But there is no relaxing for a king. But that is exactly what verse 2 says he was doing. It says that one afternoon, he arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of his house. So, by not performing his kingly duties, this would lead him to unspeakable sins. He is a king, his country's at war, and he has just woken up from a siesta late in the afternoon and sees a beautiful woman bathing. He then inquired about who she was, and he was informed she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, 
this is where people have a difference of opinions of what happened, and we're not going to try solving this once and for all, but to humbly try to understand it. It then says in verse 4 that he sent messengers to take her, she came to him, and he laid with her. This is where some would claim that Bathsheba was trying to seduce David, and I don't personally see any evidence of this. She was taking a bath to watch her body as this was the end of her monthly cycle. People were not taking showers on a daily basis back in those times. Running water was not a thing. But this goes beyond taking a shower. She was purifying herself from her uncleanliness in what is known in Hebrew as a mikveh, which is a pool of collected rainwater that was used for purification. These pools have been found in archaeological digs and are still used in Orthodox Judaism. Now, I don't think that I'm going to go in detail about this, but you can read more of it on Leviticus chapter 15. Point being, it doesn't appear to me that this was out of the norm. She was cleaning and purifying herself as the sun is going down. That makes sense to me for a few reasons. One, it was cooler at, the, at, at that time, and it's darker, which means that it's tougher for anyone to see you. If she really wanted to be seen, she would have done it in the middle of the afternoon. Unless she knew that the king will usually take a nap and then go for a walk in the roof around this time. But again, there's no evidence of this and we'll be assuming. So, I'm going to go with she did not tempt him. This is also part where some would claim that David raped her. The word is used, the word taken is used and that doesn't sound forceful. That does sound forceful in English, but it does say she came to him and then he laid with her. The word rape is not used. I looked at a few other Bible versions and the same word was used. I did try to see if the word rape is used as a translation and it is not. The word force is used as translation to the word rape. We can see this word a few chapters ahead on 2 Samuel Chapter 13, verse 11, when Amnon violates, or another translation, forces himself upon his sister. When you read the story, you can clearly read that it is rape. But in the case of David, it doesn't appear this way. So, what I think, at least for now, is that it was a mutual consent. I think she may have been hesitant, but eventually was wooed by King David. Again, I think, I do not know. One thing to note is that the is not is that not only was Bathsheba's husband part of King David's army, but also her dad and grandfather. Maybe she thought she was getting some bad news from the front lines. I don't know. All these all these men, to include Uriah, were part of David's elite army, as you can read in Second Samuel chapter twenty-three. Now, I find a few things interesting in the next verses. Bathsheba goes home and she conceives, and then she sends a message to David that she was pregnant. She conceived, meaning that they understood what conception was. They knew there was an active life at conception. Conception. This may be not surprising to, to you, but it may be a surprise to those who reject the life of a child in the womb. What I also found interesting is that it appears that they only had laid together one time. That is all it took. King David knew that it is against the instructions of God to lay with a woman when she's in her cycle, Leviticus chapter 15. But maybe he didn't know the following. 
After reading this, I was curious, when are women the most fertile? Now, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt because I'm not a physician. Now, this may be TMI, but it appears your chances of getting pregnant increase if the ovulation cycle and when the day your period ends lines up. So, I guess King David partially chose the wrong time for this. Note, if you go back and read Leviticus 15, it may seem weird to read. If you haven't read thoroughly from Genesis to Leviticus, then you will not be able to comprehend this accurately. So just FYI, as this has to do with what is known as ceremonial laws. But there is no title of ceremonial laws given in the Bible. This is just a man-made title. Okay, so keep that in mind. Act 2. The Attempt to Hide Sin Now that David knows that Bathsheba is pregnant, he starts trying on verse 6 to hide this adultery. So King David comes out with a plan. There is so much drama happening in the five verses that I didn't think, where's the husband? Come to find out, Uriah's husband, as we mentioned before, is a warrior and he's in battle. This is how I know that Bathsheba and Uriah had to be at least married for a year because men who are recently married are not allowed to go into battle for at least a year. Deuteronomy chapter 25, 24 verse 5. Uriah is doing what King David should have been doing, but I digress. So, King David sends someone to the battlefield to tell his general, General Joab, to send Uriah back from the battlefield. What David tries to do next is to get Uriah to go to his house, sleep with his wife, so this way Uriah will think that he is the one that got Bathsheba pregnant. But Uriah is such a faithful man that he feels that if his brothers at arms are fighting, he should not go home and enjoy what they cannot, to include laying with his wife. David even got Uriah drunk, but this did not work either. So, David's next strategy is to kill Uriah by instructing his general to place Uriah in the toughest action of the war. He succeeds. Uriah is killed in battle, and King David is informed of this. Bathsheba also finds out of the death of her husband and laments over him meaning that she did have feelings for her husband and that even if there was adultery, she cared for him. After she finished mourning his death, King David brought her to his house and made her his wife and bore him a son. But as we can see at the end of verse 27, God was displeased with David. It doesn't say David and Bathsheba, just David. Not sure if this means that there was no blame on her, but for sure, much of the blame was on David. David has now committed adultery, deception, and murder. Now, this is where I get stuck. According to the commandments of God, the man and the woman who commit adultery shall be stoned. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10. So why doesn't David and Bathsheba get stoned? All I can think of at this point is that in order to be accused of anything, you need two witnesses. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15. And I guess there just wasn't two witnesses. People could assume that adultery was committed, but that assuming is different than witnessing. You're innocent until proven guilty, and no one could prove it. Men may not see everything, but God does. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. Act 3. The Results of David's Sin This starts on the next chapter. It appears that David thought he got away with it and had not repented from this. 
So, God sends the prophet Nathan with a powerful parable that you can read yourself, but this parable makes David understand that he is guilty of his actions. Nathan then begins to prophesy to David all that would befall upon him. This includes war, the taking of wives and giving them to his enemies, and the death of the child he conceived with Bathsheba. Now I can go for the next hour telling you what came next, but you can read this yourself by finishing 2 Samuel and reading 1st and 2nd Kings. It's a mess. There is deception, murder, and idolatry. The kingdom goes into a civil war, it splits, and it's just a man it's a it's a it's just a, a made for TV miniseries. It's just insane. All through it you see his people rejecting his ways, you see God forgiving them, and you see them do it all over again. You see his grace and mercy to his people, even when they did not deserve it. Alright, so we just now went through three acts. But they are hev- they're all heavily about David. So what about Bathsheba? Was she a pawn in this whole story? No. She's up, she ends up playing a very important part as the story continues. We know her first son died seven days after he was born. But she goes on to give birth to the second most famous king in Israel's history, King Solomon. The first king starts heavy. King David is old in his age, and everyone knows that the kingdom is up for grabs. His oldest son, Adonijah, positions himself through alliances and sacrifices. But Sheba gets wind of this by Nathan the prophet, the same prophet that came to David. So Bathsheba and Nathan start making moves to ensure that it is Solomon the one that becomes king. And they accomplish this. Now, we all know that Solomon screwed things up at the end, but Solomon had a great relationship with God. As soon as Solomon was born, God said that he loved him and even called him Jedidiah, which means beloved of God. This is important because it will be Solomon that builds the temple that David could not. Bathsheba has gone from what it appears a pawn to the queen to the point that even King Solomon bows down to her out of respect, not just because she's his mother, but because if it wasn't for her, he would not be king. I'll end this with a question and answer before I go to my final thoughts. So, why in the beginning of the book of Matthew was Bathsheba the only one of the five women that was not named? I honestly didn't think I was going to come up with any answer or I thought I was going to come up with an enlightened answer. Okay, so I'm not sure, but it appears to me that Matthew was just following a scriptural pattern. The only time Bathsheba is called David's wife is in verse 24 of chapter 12. Even in verse 9, God calls her the wife of Uriah. And so are the rest of the verses that mention her. So, there you go. It appears that's the reason. Final thoughts. God does forgive David by not killing him. But this forgiveness does not mean that there are no consequences to actions. But God could not kill David because God keeps his promises. We know that the Messiah could come would come from the, from the lineage of David. If he would have killed David, our Savior would have not come to live and die for us. If it wasn't for Bathsheba, Solomon would have not been king. And the lineage of David would have taken another route. God will use all kinds of different people and situations to show his love for those who call after his name. 
as we read more and more of His Word, we see how the Father's intent was always to bring us a Savior. We think that the story, or at least some of us think that the story of Jesus begins in the New Testament. His story started in the beginning. Bereshit. We just need to ask God to open our eyes and ears and for His Holy Spirit to guide us to His way, the truth, and the life with Jesus the Messiah. Alright everyone, that is all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this story. Um, it's full of um, um, a lot of things that we can learn. And I'm looking forward to finishing the end of this series um, with the story of Mary. Alright guys, until next time. Thank you.